Welcome back to uh, Trev. Whoa. <laughs> plant needs to move out of the way. Sunny V2. <laughs> Welcome back to Travel Support Thursday. Oh, man. It has been a minute. Yeah. We're back minute. home, and it has definitely been a whirlwind. Yes. It's yes. Been like two weeks, three weeks, two weeks. It's been a long time. Mm hmm. We're back in action, ready to go. It's time. It's time with our top five travel experiences of 2023. That's what we're talking about today. We did a lot of pretty cool stuff this yeah. last year, and I think the most surprising thing was all the things on this list that we had. I think all of them were not what I was expecting to actually put on this yeah, list until we started putting it together. Really, really hard to decide what would go in our top five. And I mean, not giving away too much, but we spent like two hours debating <laughs> yes yeah it was a very very heated debate about what the best things we did in 2023 the list got pretty long and we're also going to answer some of your questions thanks so much for asking them but the first question that we just want to like get out of the way because it's a really nice and kind question our first question comes from uofw are you guys okay you know that's just a nice thing to check in thank on. you Probably just a nice thing to ask your friends, just to generally ask people that you care about. So we, we appreciate this question. We are okay. Yeah, we are we're doing okay. more than okay. What we did for the past month or so, where we've been quiet, not only on this podcast, but also in like every other thing yeah. that we make, <laughs> is that uh, we saw family, all sorts of family that we really friends, haven't yeah. seen a lot of since we started this YouTube thing. Yeah, essentially right after our last big trip, you know, to like Singapore, Bangkok, and Vietnam, which the video we're still currently working on. It's yeah. a beast. Yeah. Um, yeah, we went on like a three-week vacation, basically across the U.S. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. First, Lisa's family came into town, yeah. and we celebrated Christmas here. And that then lovely. basically right after that, flew out to Minneapolis, brother's birthday, and then back again to Los Angeles after yeah. that, I think. Uh, and then all the way out to New York City to see some friends and then back here. So it was an action packed, lots and lots of flying thing. But basically we just we just took a couple of weeks to see some friends and family that we have not seen for far too long. And I think when you're doing YouTube, it can just feel like this constant, I don't know, almost treadmill mm. where you're just always saying like, yeah, I'll come and visit you when I'm not so busy mm. or I'll come and visit you when we're done with this next video. But then there's always another video. And Especially been, with travel YouTube. Yes. Sure. And we've been kind of like pushing this thing off for a while. And then we feel like, oh, we got to go and film some more. And then we keep pushing that off. And finally this year, uh, I don't know, we just decided to kind of get our priorities in order. <laughs> Working real hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're back at it. We're making this Vietnam video. We're right in the dead center of it. So that's mm. what literally we're going to do and finish up right after we're done yeah. with this. Speaking of Vietnam and a lot of the other awesome things that we did last year, let's get into our top five list Here we for go. 2023. Again, this list was uh, hard fought and there were so many things that we wanted to include on it. But I think in the number five spot, this was for sure the most obvious i think it had to make the list because it kind of like changed our perspective mm. not only on ourselves but on this thing that was kind of like our first real like big hit on the internet i guess in a lot of ways and that was the camino number five the camino camino for sure but camino portuguese the yes. second one that we've ever done yeah, why do you think this one made our list? I was a little bit surprised, but it definitely was a defining moment for us. Yeah, I think it was a big deal because one, we were doing the same thing that we had done before, but it was in an entirely different way. Mm -hmm. And 
I don't know. I think that for me, at least, this was kind of the release of all the expectations, which is what our first Camino documentary was about. Yeah. And just kind of answering the question like, hey, could the Camino, instead of being this like really hard trudge through like your own mm -hmm. personal problems and issues and stuff like that, and that's important, could the Camino also be just the most super fun, amazing walk across beautiful places going from like tasty restaurant to amazing wine spot to beautiful view. Could the Camino also be that? And it turns out very much yes. Yeah, and I would say that that Camino, this this last Camino, so we did the Camino Portuguese, what, in February of mm -hmm. earlier in 2023. And I would say that the defining part of that Camino was really, it was the first time that we felt, I don't know, that I felt really lightweight about the entire experience. Lightweight in that, I didn't worry so much about people's judgment of us, which was nice. Even though we vlogged the entire thing and we made videos every single day, there was less of this pressure to feel like we had to do it in this some extreme way. And we knew kind of, even though we were in a different country, Portugal this time, it felt like it felt like an escape. It felt like a vacation from our typical travel YouTube vacation too yeah and now that we now that we did it a second time and we found this like other side of the camino right this other way to do it um not just in portugal but a different mindset that we had going into it i think for us both the camino kind of represents the perfect vacation mm -hmm. in a lot of ways you're getting this like adventure and you're getting exercise and you're outdoors and you're seeing beautiful things you're also going inwards and yes. reflecting a lot yes you're like not distracted by noise mm -hmm. yeah it's just yeah and I could totally see us doing a Camino every, a year. every year, yeah. every year. And after the first time we did it, my first reaction when we finished was like, yeah, that was cool. I'll probably never do that again. <laughs> you know, like that was tiring and I was sad a lot of the time. But I think I think finding like a more measured approach to this experience kind of changed everything for us. And we've applied that same thinking to, I think, everything we did after that. Yeah, I would say we we released a lot of the own like our own internal and external pressure going into it. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think I don't know if you feel this way, but it was also kind of the last series of daily vlogging. And this oh, is yeah. A little behind the scenes like information. I don't know if you guys recognize this or see this in our videos. But yeah, since since the Camino, I think we've actively pursued mostly like these three days in series doing a little bit more all incomes doing a little bit more uh complete videos i would say and mm -hmm. movies versus like the daily vlogging um and that has been a huge shift for us and i think that's part of the magic of the camino is mm -hmm. it's such this time for self-reflection not just like in our youtube videos that we make but also in our lives as a whole yeah and we find that every single time that we do the camino we leave in a better place than when we started sure. and i think that that's i think that that's the magic of it and i don't know a better word to explain it than it is just a little bit magic yeah and that's really cool okay i don't want to i don't want to belabor this point and get all woo woo hand wavy about this thing but uh definitely you in are our hand <laughs> yes definitely in our number five spot was Camino de Santiago, Portugal edition, for sure. Okay. I had a great time with it. Okay, number yeah. four. Number four. So this is actually, I mean, this was a big debate because this was one of <laughs> my favorite, favorite experiences of all time. 
we went to a laughing yoga class in Hanoi, Vietnam. And for those of you that are wondering, what is a laughing yoga class? We had no idea either. <laughs> it's not even really a class. It's like we were walking around the lake and mm -hmm. then there was a group of elderly seniors just like laughing together and holding <laughs> hands. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> like so silly. So silly. And you just hear this from so far away and then you get closer and you see the t-shirts and they all say like laughing yoga and it's like this spiraling thing just, just goes ha 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 on the logo. You'll see it in our video soon, yes. but it is genuinely like they welcomed us in literally mm. with open arms as we were doing like some stretches, some movements, all the while just like laughing. And it made me so happy and it is one of those things that I like, I look back on and I think, I don't think that we would have ever experienced that mm. had we just not gotten out the door and, and walked around. Yes, and, and it was so fun and so welcoming. And the idea behind it, right? Like it was created by, I think the guy who was there, yes, is that so actually, right? <laughs> it's a really big deal. Like if you look up laughing yoga, I think it's international. And mm. correct me if I'm wrong, I think the first person who ever started it came from India. Mm, but he was the guy who, the guy yes. we saw was the one who ran like the Vietnam. Yes, yeah. So the Vietnam side of it, or the yeah. Vietnam, <laughs> or the Hanoi branch was started by this man who I think is a pharmacist. Actually, I found an article that talked about this. He's a pharmacist in Hanoi and he was talking about how it's really hard for seniors and a lot of people to find community now, especially after COVID. Right. And so he learned about laughing yoga and now there's like six or seven branches in Hanoi alone. So probably way more across Vietnam and probably here where people just get together every morning there at the lake and just laugh together. Yeah. And at first I was like, that sounds so strange, but like, it's so contagious. Like we were doing things like <laughs> And there's something about when somebody laughs, you just want to laugh. And there was no reason to no. laugh except that we were just all laughing together. It was it was, it, was it immediately brought me back to like being a 6-year-old. Yes. You know, it was just it was just fun and lighthearted and there was no expectations and just i thought it was going to be weird like mm -hmm. my expectations coming into it when i saw it i'm like that's gonna be awkward i'm gonna try it but it's gonna be weird and then within like two seconds i was so bought in yes to this idea of just like waking up and just like laughing your face off for 10 minutes because for the rest of the day we were just, we were just felt we felt mood. light we felt happy and then yeah, it and was the, just and so we cool never even had like a conversation with the people there like actually we just laughed with them and i felt so connected i mean i think vietnam was an incredible place to visit in general all the different places that we got to go were really magical but that one experience definitely like I feel like you just can't miss it. It's so different. Yes. It's so unique. And the people there are so lovely. Yep. All right. Number Next three. Next one. Now, what do we got for number three? Okay. Oh, this one's a, this one's a Jersh special. <laughs> Wrestling a sumo in the streets of Kyoto, Japan. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So we were walking around Kyoto and we were actually, we had a totally finished filming the video yes. at this point in time. So we were like, we're like, oh, we did it. All right, let's go like get some dinner and yeah, celebrate. We wrapped. And then as we were walking, we saw this man screaming at the top of his lungs, wearing sumo outfit <laughs> like, right next to the river people. in Kyoto and just carrying people and wrestling people right in the middle of the streets. And I'm like, I have to do that. I think you were, I mean, I remember feeling your nerves mm -hmm. because it, it is a big deal. He's a big dude and he's very strong. Obviously, he was 
he was, you know, kind and joking and, and, and approachable. But there is something like nerve wracking about doing this in front of hundreds of people yes. too. Yes. So I just walked up to him and he welcomed me in and he's got this like little rope ring that's a, about the size of like a sumo Domo. Do, dojo. dojo or whatever you call it. Sorry, yeah. I forgot the word I think it's for doyo. it. Oh yeah, the doyo, yeah. yeah. So about the size of a normal doyo, maybe a little smaller. And he just like sets up this like rope circle on the ground and he's just in the full sumo outfit, which is to say he's not wearing a lot. <laughs> and you and you walk up to him, he bows to you and then or you like bow to each other and then he starts like talking you through kind of the steps of what you need to do. You know, you like lift up the leg and kick it and then you do the big clap. Mm -hmm. And then just like that, you just like slam into each other. You just, charge, other. Each <laughs> you other. just charge into each other. This man on the street in front of like hundreds of other people, <laughs> just as sumo wrestlers out here. And what he's trying to do is just like spread the love of sumo yeah. throughout the world by kind of like taking some of, I guess, the seriousness out of it and making it a little bit more fun and a little bit more approachable. Um, mission accomplished there. But this guy, he was so strong. He picked me up like a little baby. He just picked me up. <laughs> literally over his head and just walked me out of the <laughs> ring after like pretending to actually struggle wrestling me for like for like a minute he pretended that i was actually like a fair match for him for a minute and then he just literally picked me up over his head and walked me out of the that arena. Is i remember thinking too like oh he must he must like he could have totally he could have totally like just won every single match that he'd ever you know every person mm. that came up to him he could have just won the match in like two seconds. Yes. But I think that's actually one of the things I appreciated about him. I think he could tell that you were also in a jovial, like joking kind of mood. Like I think you were, you yelled, you're so strong. And he <laughs> laughed and then he just like picked you up <laughs> for like the show of it. What a showman. And that yes. like I think was such a fun experience because I think we went to the sumo tournament, tournament like a couple of years ago or last year and everything's very... Very serious, very, very serious. sacred, very right. quiet, understandably, very traditional. And there's rare moments of just like loudness or intensity. But right. most of the intensity is because of the match itself. But yep. it was cool to see this in a very like joking, lighthearted, lovable way. He definitely is a former sumo wrestler. Um, we'll leave his like Instagram handle in mm. the in the video description below. But yeah, what a joy. We still follow him and just like to see sometimes he still does like he's also a rapper, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. Like he's a musician. <laughs> Amazing. And on his Instagram, he raps and he he plays music and he sings. Super talented. Such a cool moment, I think, for me personally, just to be able to actually try sumo mm -hmm. and to be able to try it in a safe space with a guy who's an actual professional at yeah. it in Kyoto in Japan randomly it was so much fun it, it was, was so one of those fun. moments too, i have like, never felt weaker physically <laughs> you were such a good sport though and <laughs> i think that life. was what that was what made it so so special you were open to like the idea of it okay so i think okay so number two i think this was an easy pick for us yeah in that it was the white horse hills campground in new, new zealand, zealand right at the foothills of mount cook and I think for yeah, and I think for us, this moment right here at Whitehorse Hills, I think this was like maybe our second or third day, mm -hmm. was for me when our New Zealand trip actually started. Mm. You know, we had like prepared a whole bunch. We had gotten our camper van all figured out and we had started driving. But I think once we arrived at this place and we just saw this massive mountain that somehow there's a campground right in front yeah. of it. 
and we had perfect weather. I mean, it was a little cold, but it was not perfect weather. Yeah. Well, the first night it was, yeah. yeah. But when we got there and we got settled, yeah. and then we hear the first like glacier cracking, cave yeah. calving yeah. up yeah. in the actual mountains, it just felt like where are we yeah. in the best way possible? Just I think as soon as we stepped out of the van visually like new zealand is incredibly beautiful as soon as we stepped out of the van i mean it was incredibly beautiful right mm -hmm. mount araki all the mountains and the scenery but then like just the frigid air and the temperature you're like oh new zealand's like in its own category it's wild everything yeah. Yeah. yeah and we i don't know it was just such an incredible we were able to do that hike and the next day do you remember it was just so windy <laughs> and like some people might say like oh the weather would ruin it but i thought the wind and then the little bit of snow that we got was incredibly it was just cool it was adventurous we didn't get to do like our favorite hike out there to see the glaciers but i think it just added to the feeling of adventure and yeah wild nature that new zealand is yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> our number one travel experience of 2023 is for sure the bulgogi <laughs> festival that we went to in busan south korea Definitely. this was something that lisa found through somebody's instagram yeah, so, <laughs> no and it wasn't even it was like a random it was a random flyer i think that was in korean mm -hmm. and we had to google translate it and all it said was bulgogi festival or like some event and we had no idea we had no other details yeah so we're of course super in because this sounds like something one that we have no idea what it is yeah. two involves grilled meat in some <laughs> way shape or form and three is going to be featuring the korean version of michael buble who is going to be who is going to be singing that night or the korean equivalent i yeah. guess korean equivalent of michael buble um so <laughs> so we could not figure out where this place was no. at all we tried translating, we tried asking people, and then finally the people at our hotel called some other people who then called some other people who then literally called some other people yep. and got back to us an approximate location on a map of where this Bulgogi festival like was going to be held. It was like field, right? We had to take, I think we had to take a train, a bus, and then another train, and then another bus. Yes. There were a few different forms of transportation that day. And then it took us to this field, and then you step out, of the bus and you just see clouds of smoke. That's all I remember and it smelled so good. And mm. you know that feeling of like bulgogi or like just barbecue in general, your like skin just starts to feel like it has, it's sweating meat already mm. and you haven't even eaten it. That's what it felt like in the air. And then it was just like a huge festival. Whoever organizes this, probably the city of Busan. I don't no, I don't even know if we were in Busan I, anymore. I don't know. I don't know either. I think we're in Cholma or something. Cholma, yeah, <laughs> they set up a huge tent of just hundreds and hundreds of tables with own their own little like barbecue barbecue like grill meat stations it yeah. was incredible it was awesome and i like the first thought i had is like i want this in the united states so bad like yeah. could you imagine just imagine anywhere in the united states you just like set up the world's largest tent and inside of it are like 200 small grills and everyone inside of there is getting just plastered <laughs> <laughs> of a beer wine whatever they're into and cooking their own steaks and just having a blast of a time so cool you know like it could not possibly exist in the u.s because i'm sure people would be like what you're gonna get that? sued or they like, might burn down I've or gone to a packers game but is that like tailgating it is basically exactly like tailgating <laughs> except for this is like a formal event that would like absolutely happen i'm um, so sorry about 
for those of you that, you know, the Packers lost last oh, week. come on. Sorry. You don't have to bring that up so here. So sorry. But it's, so it's like tailgating. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it's a lot like tailgating. And this was just the coolest day that I think I had all last year. Mm. It was so unexpected. Yeah. It was so like delicious right like this was probably the best grilled meat i've had maybe ever yeah and also we got to connect with so many cool people while we were there and it felt so friendly and welcoming and just so random it was <laughs> so I think unexpected I was say, actually of the list of the things that like are on our list some of the ones that made it are definitely the ones that were unexpected and unplanned right laughing yoga wrestling a sumo in the streets of kyoto mm-hmm. In this bulgogi festival yes it pretty, was pretty cool incredible but my favorite part about the entire experience too was again much like a lot of these experiences we couldn't speak korean or we couldn't speak the same language but like the people around us that were also partake partaking in the festival and cooking their own meat like one guy saw that we were struggling to figure out what to do and he like called me over because he had said oh this table's available mm-hmm. basically he pointed and said like saved this table for us it was such a community event and it it definitely this last year helped me realize that gosh people are so kind and people are so good and and i think we all just want the same things for each other really good meat and really good drinks and a really good time and we'll help each other get there without even like needing to speak your your native language yeah that's uh, a pretty cool experience <laughs> but we do have some other honorable mentions yes. that uh we didn't make the top five, but are definitely some really cool experiences that I think defined this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucha Libre. Oh, yeah. Lucha Libre with then my dad who came with us. City. Mexico City. Unforgettable. Such a cool. Uh, you're going to see this next one soon. Oh, the yeah. Cat Ba. Cat Ba. Halong Bay boat tour. Yes. Which was for me, was the highlight of our entire Vietnam mm, experience. Besides yeah. maybe the karaoke bus, we got a heck of a video coming Besides for you guys. Besides laughing of, yoga? <laughs> yeah, laughing yoga as well, dude. There's so <laughs> much know. so much crazy stuff happened while we were Just there. so fun. What a cool country. Uh, going to Sushi Ten, doing some omakase sushi mm. was for me like unforgettable. And it made me look at food in a totally different way mm. and that i think was, yeah, was very normally interesting we're the cheapo yes go to 7-eleven family mart grocery store bread and cheese kind of people <laughs> at all costs but yeah that was an experience in itself it was like a it was like a show for you and your mouth right a personal show for you to eat uh and i think the next one is biking to the singapore airport i think mm. Uh, I think this was like our expectations was that this was going to be like exhausting and really hard. And we were kind of doing like a challenge thing. But in reality, it just ended up being super fun and super delicious because every couple of kilometers, there was another like giant hawker hawker center. And we just like kept eating and kept biking. And it was such an amazing way to spend a day in Singapore. It really was. I think it was one of those things too where like, why? But then, but then afterwards I was like, why not? Right, right. <laughs> this seems like the right way to and do especially, biking. Especially, yeah. especially if we lived there. I don't know that I would always bike to the airport, but like I could see the value in it. Biking to the airport, and they have showers there that you can mm-hmm. shower before you catch a flight. Yes. Presuming you don't have much luggage and just a backpack. It was perfect. It was such a perfect day. Okay, so that is enough for our top five <laughs> plus a couple more uh, experiences in 2023 what i would love to hear from you out there is what were your top travel experiences from 2023 Mm. put them down in the comments below 
I think we also just love hearing from you guys and hearing like your unexpected surprise spontaneity, you know, adventures. I I think it's telling that some of the ones that made our list are definitely not the ones that we could have planned or anticipated. For sure. So tell us, yeah, your your top 2023 travel experiences and what you thought was going to happen, what ended up happening and why it was the best thing ever. Yes. Okay. Let's get on to a couple of yep. let's get on to a couple of questions from people, right? We have a few, I yes. think. So our second question, because the first question actually was, are you okay? Are you guys okay? okay. Yeah. Our second question comes from Mark Duffy, who asks, how do you store and organize all of your travel videos and pictures? Oof. Oh, yeah. Okay. So oof, this is a big problem that is growing bigger every single time yeah, we make a video. No so joke. I would say our average video, for example, New Zealand, that New Zealand video, that New Zealand video was about 1.3 terabytes of footage, which is 1,300 gigabytes. Before YouTube and before making YouTube videos, I didn't even know terabytes was a word, was <laughs> that, a unit. That stuff could get that big, <laughs> right? So uh, with each video that we're making being like probably around a terabyte or so or bigger, organization of these things has become quite a problem that we have tried a bunch of different solutions for. And I think we've kind of like centered around one that we're currently happy with, but that we may be outgrowing within the next like 24 months. Yes. So explain it from top to bottom, right? We take all this footage, it happens on SD cards, right? Yeah. Those SD cards then go into the computer and then we put them into a Final Cut Pro library, which is That's what we use to edit, right? That Final Cut Pro library gets automatically uploaded to our Google Drive, mm -hmm. where we have 10 or so terabytes of space up there. And then also that library and all the footage gets backed up to another card because we've lost some footage and that's very sad and we're trying to not have that happen anymore. And then all of that then gets backed up to a server, a Synology network attached storage device that we have oh boy. here that has like 30 terabytes of space and we're almost full on that thing already. And then, uh, <laughs> and then as we work through the library and make edits that in lifetime, gets backed up to Google Drive so that way we never lose any of our edits or any of our timelines that we're creating. Mm -hmm. And then when we're finished with the entire project, and then when we're finished with the entire project, we export the final video, which also gets backed up to Google Drive and also gets backed up to our network attached storage device. And then we zip that big old library file and we send it to another network attached storage device for backup that we have at my parents' house. And then also we put that final zip file for the library into AWS Deep Glacier Archive storage <laughs> on the cloud and then delete it off of Google Drive. And then we go through the whole process again from top to bottom. <laughs> Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a whole process and honestly one that, I mean, I don't know if this question is meant for uh personal use or for like, you know, the kind of because we just have so much footage and so many photos and videos. Yes. But this is definitely like not a cheap, not a cheap process. No, but it does ensure that we never lose anything, yeah. which is for me the most important thing is that mm -hmm. we never lose any footage along the way. Uh, I would say like if we didn't do this YouTube thing, I think the way I would think about it is I would back up almost all of my photos to something like Google Drive or we, to yeah. Amazon photos or to, you know, whatever service you already have a subscription for. And then for videos, that's quite a bit trickier. I think I would still get a Synology network attached storage. 
and then shove them all into the photos app that they have on there yeah. that automatically like indexes them and then tags them. And then you can do facial recognition just locally just on your like own Google stuff. Photos. Exactly. And then use that to be able to quickly find videos. And that's what we're hoping to do. But truthfully, that photos app has not been fast enough for us to be able to quickly go back and find an old piece of footage, which is something that we're going to need to do a lot of going forward is find this old archive footage and then find just a little specific chunk yeah. out of it and pull that out. And if any of you guys out there have a good solution for how to do that with like, you know, hundreds of thousands of video clips, I would be all ears. I would be, I would love to hear what a good solution to that would look like. Um, but yeah, that's how we, uh, that's how we back up and organize there all of our go. stuff is in a very complicated multi-tiered way to make sure we never lose anything with kind of like Synology NAS being our like backup and then the Glacier Deep Archive in AWS being our like backup of a backup to make sure we make sure we always have it. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> hope that answers your question. Um, so our next, it's actually not a question, just a comment that, I don't know, I loved hearing this. So this one came from Ben Miles 8161. Just wanted to let you know that I followed your advice and transferred my Capital One points to Flying Blue with Air yes. France. Yes. I'd, I'd always just booked with points directly from Capital One in the past. Anyway, I'm now the proud owner of two tickets direct from RDU to CDG, saving over $1,400 in the process. Let's go walk the Camino. Thanks. Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes. So proud. CDG being Paris. So RDU is where? Uh, probably Raleigh Durham, I think. Wow. How do you know that? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, That's amazing. That is awesome. That is awesome. That a makes free us so happy trip to, to Paris with the points that you already got. Yes. This is just ugh. by a simple thing of not using the platform that, that they give you. Yes. Because, yes, it is convenient. These, you know, Capital One travel platforms, Chase Ultimate Rewards travel sure. platforms are super convenient, really easy to use. But, but they're man, a bad deal. They're you a bad could deal. be getting so much more. They're a bad and deal. You did. Congrats. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Have a great time. Are you going to go walk the Camino? I hope you are. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so our final question. So our final question comes from SBK Pilot One, who asks a really great question. This one got me thinking, and I think I know your answer. I'm not sure, but. I don't even know my answer yet. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. So it's if each of you were solo instead of a couple, would you still want to do long-term travel like you do? What would you do differently? Hmm. I mean, I think, I think I know your answer. Do you know mine? I think you would still do solo travel, but mm. I think you would do less of it than we currently travel. I think that's correct. I think you would travel less. I think you would still go on solo trips. Uh, but you would only do it like once or twice a year or something mm. instead of like half the time like we're doing now. Yeah, it's hard to know. I think I know your answer is that you would be traveling way more. Heck yeah. <laughs> and you would be traveling solo because you've done it so many times. The thing I can't figure out though is like the equation in all of this is like YouTube. Mm. Like would you, so I mean obviously one of the reasons why we get to keep traveling is that we have now turned this into a business and we can travel and make a living off of it. But like, what would it look like if, yeah, we had never met? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I would have, I started traveling by myself for a little bit and I would go with friends, but yeah, I was at my old job. 
Would I have that time off? Would I have quit my job to travel the world? I don't know. Would I have done full-time travel? I don't know. Hmm. I think I would. I think I'd still probably be doing YouTube, but I'd always had this idea to make a YouTube channel or something. And the original like incarnation of this, Mm -hmm. the original idea for me was to stay in hostels, find Mm -hmm. other people who had gone on like long-term trips, like three months or longer or whatever, some Mm -hmm. arbitrary amount that's longer than just a vacation. And then interview those people and ask them like, how did you do it? How did you Mm -hmm. afford it? How are you enjoying this trip so far? And then hopefully catch them at the beginning and at the end Mm -hmm. of their trip and ask them those same questions and like tell those stories for these people as a way to try to like capture all this knowledge of how so many different people managed to make this happen in their lives. I love that idea. And then like package that out too. We could totally do that now. Yeah, true, true. But it is, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, would you be vlogging? Maybe vlogging, I think, I don't know. I th- I think I'd be doing a very similar thing to what we're making now. This question is so fascinating to me because it is one of those like, what is that sliding doors movie or like past lives is a movie that's recently been out sure. that reflects on like what your past life was and what it could have been. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I definitely think that I would have, before we met, I was definitely... I was just getting into traveling and I was finding every possible way to like make a trip out of something. Mm -hmm. Like I would go on a work conference and I'd take a couple of days off and I'd travel and I'd explore on my own or I'd like save up my PTO for certain trips. But would I have done full-time travel? I'm not sure. Maybe eventually, maybe. Yeah. What would we do differently? differently? How would you think our travels would look different Hmm. if we were solo i think hmm, like had i still been doing solo travel from like the first time i did it like 12 years ago or whatever i think i'd be trying my best to organize these like really big adventures Hmm. sort of things and i'd be deep into that i'd be like let's go sailing for Hmm. three months or let's go like walk across india or let's you know it'd be like much bigger picture much longer time things and not so much i think at this point going from like city a to b to c to d to whatever so that's maybe like youtube related right uh yeah i mean like job related what like the which part well because we're making the three days in series so that's Mm -hmm. why we go from city to city yeah i'm I'm talking about in an alternative universe Mm -hmm. if i had been solo traveling that whole time from when i first started to now and i'm still solo traveling Mm -hmm. i think i would be focusing more now on doing like really big really long adventures Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think if i were solo traveling i think i would still i don't know that i would do like a year-long trip i think what i would do is still i think i would still be into travel i don't know a lot of it is unfortunately job related right and job dependent Mm -hmm. but i think i i think now that i know how much i enjoy this like lifestyle I think I would have done like maybe three months of traveling and then coming back home or like convincing friends and family to come out and meet me in certain places. That seems like more of a jam. And I think I would be, I think I'd, we'd both probably be staying in hostels because it's the cheaper and it's the cheaper way to go. Mm-hmm. And we'd meet people that way. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we'd meet each other along the way in those hostels. I like to think that that would happen. <laughs> I like to think there's a future where that would be the case. Uh, this was an awesome question. Thank you very yeah. much for asking this. This, is, uh, this has gotten very metaphorical for us at this mm. point. But uh, 
Yeah, no, I think solo travel definitely is. I have a deep love of it, and I think a solo trip is fully different than going on a trip with like a bunch of friends or even just one other person. Yeah, you're so much more open to the things that happen in the world, but also way You're more, more lonely, way say, lonelier. Lonely. Mm. I think another thing that I would call out and specifically say is that if I if we were not a couple and I was solo traveling, I think I'd choose my destinations a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would be a little bit more cautious of some some places maybe and do a little bit more planning than we are used to right now. I think that it can be a really good thing to go on trips with friends. Mm. But I think the most personal growth I had in my entire life in the shortest period of time mm-hmm. was from a solo trip. It was from that first trip sure. out going everywhere, just meeting people, getting way out of my comfort zone and doing that every single day where the options were either like make friends with people there or just be like, or just be like incredibly lonely. Mm-hmm. And those are the only two worlds that I could live in. And just how much that taught me and just how much that taught me about myself, but also about the world that I was in. I felt like I was very connected to the place that I was in and very undistracted. I think, yeah, I think solo travel for me was super important. And I think a thing that I want to do again in yeah. the future. We talk about it sometimes. You know, I think um, we, as for as much time as we spend together, which is like 24-7 mostly, especially when we're filming, making videos, editing, and life at home. Otherwise, um, we talk about how it would be cool to take solo trips too. Like you go somewhere, I go somewhere, and then we meet up again mm-hmm. just to like just to relive some of those memories, but also remember what it was like to be um, independent. Well, there's something about traveling by yourself that I also just makes you feel like, I don't know, maybe this is too wooey and hand wavy, but like anything is possible, right? Like that if you can navigate and you can meet people and and you get to see how cool the world truly is and how the vast majority of people are similar and and kind and want to help you, it makes you feel a little bit like, yeah, I got this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I'm an, I'm I'm I think I'd like to think that we would both even though that we're a couple and we travel full time together now, I'd like to think that we both are able to and will do that yeah. soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for watching slash listening, and we will see you next week. Boop, boop. Ask us your questions in the comments below.